Welcome to another episode of Race Through Education. I'm your co-host, Fozia. Just a heads up, this episode will be divided into two parts, so please be on the lookout for the second half of this episode. I am now going to read a statement from the Bell Hook Center at Berea College. Honoring Bell Hooks. Our center's namesake, Bell Hooks, transitioned early on Wednesday, December 15th, 2021, at her Berea, Kentucky home. Bell, born Gloria Jean Watkins in Hopkinsville, grew up with love for books and writing. A globally renowned cultural critic, feminist, and intellectual dissident, her work imagined radical ways of being in the world. It encouraged love of self and community while calling us into liberatory practices that daringly reshape feminism as an embodied challenge to intersecting structures of oppression. As a distinguished professor in residence at Berea College, Bell often spent time with and mentored students. She founded the Bell Hooks Institute to foster additional feminist programming in Berea and worked closely with Dr. M. Shadi Malaklu to establish the Bell Hooks Center as a testament to her legacy. We mourn in beloved community and further commit to her work by daring to create lives of political and spiritual liberation through healing, radical joy, and redemptive love, which Bell believed was our true destiny. In redemptive love, your friendly feminist at the Bell Hook Center. From the minds of two doctoral candidates, Race to Education is a podcast that explores the impact of race on education in America. As your hosts, we dive deep into the perspectives and experiences of Black and Latino communities as they navigate the intricacies of learning in the United States. This, this is, is Race to Education. Welcome, welcome to Race Through Education. This is Fozia, and I'm really excited to be bringing you this episode called Sisters Circle, and we're going to be remembering the late Great Bell Hooks. So 2021 gave us a lot, but also took a lot from us. We gained some new ancestors, but none hit as hard as the loss of Bell Hooks, I think, on a personal level and on an academic level as well. The great thing about Bell Hooks is that she helped to inspire so many people who came before her and so many people who are to come now will take a lot from the work that she created and, and what she's brought forth for us when it comes to feminism and also what it means to be a Black woman in the United States. I am joined by two of my sister scholars, Dr. Nakia Gray-Nicholas and Dr. Aisha Haynes. Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. Great. Ladies, can you just introduce yourselves? Tell us who you are, what you study, and your current role. So just take it away. We can start with uh, Dr. Gray Nicholas. Hello. So I am Nikita Gray Nicholas. I am an assistant professor at Queens College. I am educational leadership um, on the tenure track line. I study issues of equity and access through the K to professoriate level. So I look at equity and access for high school students as it relates to readiness, as it relates to pre-college transition programs and persistence to and through college. 
I also look at Black women in the professoriate. Um, similarly to college readiness, I look at readiness for the tenure track level um, and persistence in and through to tenure and beyond. Great. Thank you so much for being here with us. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Dr. Aisha Haynes. Um, I am newly the director at the Bank Street Graduate School of Education, their Ed Center, specifically prepared to teach um, kind of department where I work with various districts across the nation um, to ensure that teacher candidates have access to quality teacher preparation, um, specifically working to get teachers of color um, into the classroom. And um, my own research looks at how gentrification impacts school communities, particularly thinking about how it affects black and brown children. And um, so I'm examining things like school choice and what a market reform era means for our students um, and kind of contextualizing that in our you know, I'm, I'm a New York City kid, so I specifically think about New York City, but there are lots of gentrifying cities across the nation. And just thinking about how that's impacting their experience in schooling and the experience of their parents as well. Thank you so much, ladies. It's so great to have you here. And a little bit of background. I actually joined the NYU Ed Leadership Program and met these two beautiful souls who have been so instrumental to my doctoral process and my journey. And I wouldn't be where I am without them. So I am so thankful for them. And it explains why they're part of, why we're part of a sister circle uh, where we support each other with our research, but also support each other in life as well. So thank you again for being here. Now, I want to dive in and talk about Bell Hooks and what her work meant to you on both a personal and academic level. So if you could just maybe explain, explain that a little bit, talk to that. You know, when I think about this question, I don't think that I have the like context of like my first moment with Bell Hooks, but I remember it starting to float, like maybe some of her ideas came to me or, you know, in a class in college and it was very informal, but I do remember Anna Julia Cooper has a like famous quote, like when and where shall I enter in the, I actually wrote this down because it was so powerful to me. Only the black woman can say when and where I enter in the quiet, undisputed dignity of my womanhood without violence and without suing or special patronage there and then the whole Negro race enters with me. And I remember that because it was it was a freshman class. And I remember it was the first time someone kind of gave voice for me to this notion of like intersectionality, right? And we weren't using those words then, but that there was, for a Black woman, there was more than one thing to navigate. And so when I later would stumble upon Bell Hooks, it felt amplified, right? And she was amplifying this idea for me. And so it just fit. It felt good. And that's how I can describe her writing. It felt, I felt seen. And so, you know, moving from like the college experience where you're kind of encountering text in a very clinical way, right? To, you know, reading her on my own where it just felt like, you know, reading, you know, any a novel I might read on the beach. And so that was like such a, a, an important experience for me. And so I think in my 20s, I, I started to 
dig a little deeper and more intentionally kind of delve into her work. So that's just a little bit about that. Thank you. And Nakia, what about you? So for me, um, I don't remember the first piece I read by Bell Hooks, but I definitely remember where I was and when I was. I was in the junior year, my junior year of college. I was taking a Black women's literature course, um, and I was introduced to an amazing array of Black women writers. And she was one of them. And I remember the experience of, it's really surreal to me because it wasn't until later work that I was able to put towards my experience in coming to be through Bell Hooks. But in her book, From Margin to Center, she speaks of the fact that to be in the margins is to be a part of the whole, but outside the main body. And while I didn't have those words then, I had that feeling then of being a part of, but not really, especially considering the fact that I was a black girl at an Ivy League, first generation, knew nothing about college, not even sure how I made it to the school I made. Well, I am sure, right? Um, I have the intellect and the capacity, but then I wasn't sure. I felt very much like an imposter and very much like I wasn't supposed to be there. And I actually had a professor that taught this class who amplified that feeling in me, this feeling of I wasn't meant to be there. So interesting that she's the one that introduced me to Bell Hooks because she actually gave words to my feelings of being in her class. I had the privilege of meeting Bell Hooks in graduate school when she came to do a talk at another (laughs) predominantly white institution that I went to. And I had a book signed by her and she wrote in the book, keep writing. And whenever I'm stuck, especially in this intellectual space that I'm in as a tenure track professor with the whole notion of publisher parish, I open up that text and I look at her words, right, to keep writing. And I have, and I cite her quite often, especially in my work around Black Women at Professoriate, you know, her thoughts on intersectionality, her thoughts on centering race while also centering gender. So very, my experience has been very gendered and very racialized. And she speaks life to that. So, yeah, she's been a constant for longer than I thought. And I'm glad to have been shaped by her. Um, When I defended my dissertation and I was told that I passed, one of my committee members said to me, if your dissertation was on a bookshelf, what author would it be next to? And automatically I said bell hooks. And I was gifted quite a few copies of her text because of that. But, you know, they asked me why. And I, for me, it's because she encompasses so much. She's, she's really a holistic writer that challenges and pushback against a very wide array of topics. And, you know, from pop culture to politics, she does not hold her tongue, but she also is not afraid to amend what she says. Right, right. And to go back. And and it's funny that you mentioned pop culture because people were up in arms. I think some people had their introduction to to Bell Hooks from her critique of the work that came out by Beyonce, Lemonade. And in her critique, you know, people were were just like, no, you, you can't come against Beyonce. This is Beyonce. Who is this Bell Hooks? And it's like, well, you might need to sit down for a second and, you know, 
check yourself before you say something, right? Because it's like her criticism, although maybe, you know, people think that you couldn't say anything about Beyonce, it, it was valid for what it was. You know, when she spoke to the presence of women and, and how it related to her other writings as well, right? So you mentioned her being incredibly versatile, but it's like she can speak to these things because she's one of the vanguards of of the conversations on Black feminism and Black womanhood. So I think she absolutely does have, did have the space to speak about it. So I do want to offer that I think for what some people might have been their introduction to Bell Hooks, while I think there was a group, right, the the Beehive, who's like, you, you're not about to say anything about Beyonce. I think there was a group that just really disagreed with her. And I think that's OK. Right. And I think part of the work of Bell Hooks is that she was like, this is a dialogue. Right. And she welcomed dialogue. And I think that's what makes her different and why she was so important um, or it remains important to me as a as a philosopher, as a scholar, as an academic, um, one of the things that I feel really strongly about, and, you know, Nakia mentions this is kind of indirectly is like ideas of resistance and being defiant, right? Like being told you don't belong in a space, whether directly or indirectly. She spoke a, a language that said, you, not only do you belong, but I'm encouraging you to talk back. I'm encouraging you to be defiant. And so I think it's, amazing that, you know, she was going to be in conversation about ideals of such as complex as love, but also wanting to engage conversations about pop culture. Right. And I think that is what made Bell Hooks special. Right. Like, I don't think she was pandering to be relevant. I think she was really like, listen, if we're not going to engage in the real world and the conversations that are happening day to day, what's the point of it all? Exactly. Yeah, I think that was such a powerful part of, for me, I remember like, and I we've all had this experience, like, you know, you read a, a paragraph or a page and you're like, I don't know what I just read, right? Like, I have no idea, right? It was so, it's so filled with jargon and language that's like impossible. And I remember saying really all, early in my doctoral career that I, I was like, I don't want this. If, if people can't read this, it doesn't make sense. It's not digestible. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't accessible, right? And you know, very often for all of us, we we have centered black and brown people in our writing, and for it to not be accessible to those people is a sad irony, right? And that happens way too often. And I think it's a bit of fetishizing, you know, identity, right? If you're going to write about a people but not make it accessible to that people. And so when I write, I often think about like, is this accessible? And, you know, like, you know, we write in journals and, you know, there's certain like rules and, you know, it can be challenging, but I do try to like keep the spirit of bell hooks, especially when I get to the end or my discussion section, I'm like, you're going to get Aisha, like not even Dr. Haynes, like this is Aisha speaking and I want it to be clear and understood And that's something that I think is a legacy for academics, but also like Black women who've been told not to talk back, not to say what they really mean, to show up bowed, to say what you have to say and say it boldly. I think that's her legacy. 
Absolutely. Say it boldly and unapologetically. And I, I think that's something that I carry with me in my own research as well, right? I try and mirror that. And my whole research project, my whole dissertation is actually on Black women's resistance, Black mothers specifically, and their resistance against school inequalities and schools being under-resourced. And they're doing this through opting out of testing, right? So that's something that it's, you know, it's something clicked for me with this research where it was like, you know what? This this needs to center black womanhood. So Bell Hooks has been, you know, rediscovering her along this journey has been really, really exciting for me. And I just want to add that in addition to being accessible and speaking the truth of um, those whose voices have traditionally been marginalized, right? I, I love, I use the term marginalized as opposed to like students of color or, or minority students because it's important to know that they have been pushed to the margins. What she brings and brought to the table was the need for nuance and multiple dimensions, right? I think that was one of the biggest critiques of Beyonce bringing feminism to the forefront. She wanted people to know that it was more nuanced than that and it wasn't as flat, right? So multidimensional. And Black women's experiences, and we see this later in Kimberly Crenshaw's defining of intersectionality, although similar, it's so vastly different. So although as Black women, we experience a similar racialized, gendered experience, the way in which we are racialized and gendered is as different as each and every one of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like that we're not monolithic. And I think that's something that we need to dispel and something that hooks really challenges us to do in our work, but also in our personal lives. So, you know, this, I think this is an excellent segue, right? To think about Bell Hook's work and how she's influenced your understanding of Black feminism. How, if at all, has she, has the work of Bell Hooks influenced your understanding of Black feminism? It's funny because I'm trying to, I, I feel like for a long time, it was like a curse word or like, it was like the scarlet A on your chest to call yourself a feminist. Um, I think that still carries a little bit today. And so I don't know how much I embraced the term until I began to read the bell hooks of the world. And, and the reason was there was acute awareness that what was being espoused wasn't my experience. And so although on a like a basic level, I was like, yes, you know, feminism makes sense. There were just pieces that didn't sit well with me. And and then Bell Hooks gave that language, noting the the ways in which, you know, feminism in its kind of nascent structure was excluding black women. Right. And very intentionally excluding black women. But I think when you think about like black women, it's just it's just so complicated because I, I think there's a we don't have the luxury of being seen in all of our womanhood. And Bell Hooks was like, mm -mm, we're not doing that. Right. But I think something she also gave voice to. And this is I don't know if you want to call it the struggle or the context for us. But for black women, she said this. she said it does not start with feminism. Right. She said it starts with black determination. And and that takes me kind of back to the Anna Julia Cooper quote that I started with. Right. Like, you know, historically, we have chosen to stand as black people 
and then had to kind of figure out what that meant for us as women. And I think she gave voice to that, like the the complications of doing that, what that meant for us. And I remember just being like, yes, yes. Like, you know, when you read in something and it just, it resonates with you, you're talking back to the text. That, that was me. It was the first time for me that I felt like someone got it. Because it's not just being a woman in America. It is being a Black woman in America. And she really gave voice to that. So when I think about feminism now, I don't think of it as Black or white feminism. When I think of feminism, it is Bell Hook's understanding of feminism. Because I feel like it is the most true and authentic kind of notion of feminism. That's beautiful. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Like, we sh- you should teach a whole class of this. Nikia. Thank you for that. You kind of said it so beautifully, right? So for Black women, we enter at so many different layers of who we are, you know, harking back to intersectionality. And to kind of revisit Anna Julia Cooper and Argy Lord and Bell Hooks, for me, those women recognize those multiple layers and multiple identities and demanded that feminism not be thought of as this versus that, right? So Anna Julia Cooper says, it's not the intelligent woman versus the ignorant woman, nor the white woman versus the black, the brown, and the red. It is not even the cause of women versus men. Nay, tis woman strong in this vindication for speaking that the world needs to hear her voice. You better spit those lyrics. That she just that she just dropped okay. bars. She did like you know. <laughs> we have always been silent, silenced. I don't want to say silent, but we have always been silenced. And Audre Lord said, you know, if you're silent about your pain, they'll kill you and say that you enjoyed it. And all of that speaks to Black feminism for me, right? Um, it speaks to the fact that we weren't included even in a movement that uplifted our gender. And there are Black movements that we weren't included in. So for me, Black feminism includes all of me. I'm not saying it's perfect, but it includes all of me and my Blackness, especially as a Black woman who is not Native. I'm Native to this country. I don't say I'm not Native to this country, (laughs) even though sometimes I want to. (laughs) I want to not be Native to this country, right? But as a Caribbean woman who's just, you know, one step, first generation Caribbean American in that experience and how that integrates into my identity as a black woman. So I don't want to repeat anything that I used to say because I think she said it so beautifully. I wanted to add that black feminism brings us, as Bell Hook said, from the margins to the center. And as Julia Cooper says, it, it shows that our voices are meant to be heard for the sheer fact that we have them and, and our experiences need to be shared, right? And I will no longer quiet myself or silent myself. I'm going to speak up and speak my truth. Right? You better, uh, come on, take them to church. Non-denominational, <laughs> non-denominational church. <laughs> Pass the collection basket. Right. So as you say that, I think it's Lucille Clifton, right? And you know, on this like God is in lowercase G and uppercase G, who you believe God is, right? 
um, in your mind is we, we tend to have these visions of God that has been perpetuated by the world and society. And James McBride also had this really wonderful book called The Color of Water. Oh my God, that book. I love that book. I used to teach it. I did too, but his mom said, you know, he was black, his mom's white. He's like, you know what, if you're white, I'm black, then what is the color of God? And she said, God is the color of water. And water is interesting in that sometimes it has no color. Well, actually not sometimes, all the time, right? It reflects the color around it. So, you know, my loose silk clothes and my bell hooks and all that, it reflects the color around it. So spirituality and religion and all of those things, for me, it's God is who you see God as. Oh, wait, I wanted to say that God is a black woman in my mind. So let me make that clear. Race to Education is mixed and edited by Luis Rodriguez. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Twitter at racethroughedu1 and on Instagram at racethrougheducation. You can also visit us at www.racethrougheducation.com for podcast updates, highlights, resources, and more. And finally, let us know how you feel. Send us an email at racethrougheducation at gmail.com for a chance to have your questions read on the show.